When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're back on Inside Black and Gold. If you haven't subscribed yet, go ahead and do that. Ring the bell. Hit us up on wherever you get your podcasts. Incept, Apple, Spotify, Overcast, Deezer. Uh, I don't know. I, I, now I feel out. like you're making up names because I've never uh, heard of Deezer in my life. There's a lot of weird podcast names, man. <laughs> uh, but all right, let's let's do this. This is going to be the, the slightly more upbeat segment. And because of that, it's going to be real short because yeah. there's not a ton to be up beat about but one thing that we can say on the podcast kind of breaking news if you will i think mike garofalo uh garofalo garofalo i don't know how to say his name from nfl network reported that jason pierre paul has worked out with the saints doesn't mean they're going to sign him but i do think that they will i i would be surprised if they don't because i think he just makes a lot of sense as i mean it, it depends on you know if he has other offers probably and if he's healthy enough to sign you know that's always the, the wild card of okay it's like this guy no says he's back but is he you know, and then your team doctors look at him and it's like he's he's crumbling into dust. And, you know, so that's that's obviously a wild card. But I think if if there's mutual interest, I think you're going to have a JPP uh, on this defense. And and I think they should. I think that he's he's a guy who can help, especially if Isaiah Foskey misses time. So that'll be interesting. And I would expect that to be a practice squad signing, at least at first, if it happens. But that's glad to see, I'm, I'm glad they're at least, you know, you see they're looking because there, there needs to, they need some help on the D line. For yeah, sure. we talked about it. We talked about it in the last episode. Like, yeah. I think D- JPP would fit. You know, it's funny because he played a lot of outside linebacker in the last several years with Tampa, and I can't remember where he went after that. Baltimore, I think it was Baltimore. But it seems right. Yeah, with the Giants, well, his best seasons came with the Giants as a four-three defensive end, so he can do it. But and he can also drop into coverage. He can he can do a little bit more. He can be you know that that kind of hybrid defensive end. So I think that that would be a good addition for this team. So that fits right into the upbeat part of the program which uh, you know i'm sure we're going to lose a lot of our of, of the people in here because they want us to complain and we'll get back to complaining once we hit the mailbag but yeah, d- don't worry about that for sure right but yeah so uh, one you know stock up is pretty much on offense and pretty much all from the second half so chris Olave, you know you needed him to step up in that moment and he did right i think he finished with six catches for 94 yards all of it was in the second half you know, I don't know where, what, you know, why he was unable to be found. He was in witness protection in that first half. But like I said, that first, that la- the last throw from Derek Carr in the game before, you know, he got hit with a sledgehammer uh, was to Chris Olave. It was a long gain over the middle. It was, I think it was like second and long, like second and 20 or something like that. He picked up 19 yards and they ended up converting, going downfield. That touchdown catch, put it to <laughs> mute, it was gorgeous. Yeah. Uh, and, it, you know, like, I, would I love to see him not disappear in games? Yes. But like, that's, that's the Chris Olave you need to get back to. And while it wasn't the huge supernova game that you would want to see, and like you'd want to see him put two halves together and really be dominant, maybe, you know, 130, 140 yards, that type of game. I think you, you didn't see those kind of dumb mistakes. He felt like he wasn't pressing in that game the way that 
we saw in Indy, right? Like I think he's kind of getting back to that. The unfortunate thing, I, I st- I'm starting to wonder if there is only, it's like whatever deal Ohio State has made with the devil for their wide receivers to be the best receivers on the planet, you're only allowed to have one of them successful at any given time. Because <laughs> when, when Mike Thomas is on the field, it doesn't feel like you get that Ohio State buff that you get when uh, when only Chris Olave is on the field. Um, but no, I mean, that's that's a good thing for the Saints, that he kind of made his presence known, and hopefully that can become more consistent uh, as the season goes on. Yeah, I gave him my player of the game just because yeah. of that amazing grab. Uh, it was, it was really good. Yeah, and, and that's obviously, like you said, this is what you expect to see, you want to see more of out of Chris Olave. Uh, something we did talk about in training camp that increased ability in those contested catch situations. And yeah, I, I, I could watch that one on a loop and I probably will on the bye week to make my tears lesson. It was good. It was a good one. Uh, you know, and like, like I said, I think he was also dealing with an injury in that game. Like you could see him kind of hobbled a little bit, but I think like you just saw him be more of a, more of a leadership style player in that game, right? Like you didn't see his, his body language get bad. You didn't see, right. The energy level, like he didn't, you know, you could say he quit on one route, which was the the thrown punt effectively. Um, yeah. But even then, it was like that, that he's not a read on that play. He's not a check on that play. And that ball should have never been. It's like throw that out of bounds. Um, Wasn't like there that, also that, one car through that he kind of under underran? It's possible. I, I can't or remember. Maybe every it's a different receiver I'm thinking about. I'm just blaming Olave. He had nine targets, so he caught six of them. So one of them was that interception. Um, I, I couldn't tell you the other two. Okay. Um, but you know, I was encouraged by Chris, let's put it that way. You know, was it perfect? No, but I was encouraged. Um, the next stock up that I have AT Perry, you know, it, he's a guy that he has all the talent in the world and you just, the consistency is, is where you lose me a little bit. Um, you know, but he's a great, I mean, he's a huge target over the middle of the field. He can run, he can leap, he can catch. He's very athletic. Um, that the first catch of the game, I think, was a better catch. I mean, like, I, I I love the route he ran. I love the, like, that's the part of the field the Saints have really struggled to take advantage of is kind of that intermediate middle. And, you know, if he's a guy that can help in that regard, then, you know, yeah, obviously you don't want to be without Mike for an extended period of time, but maybe that, that allows for you. <laughs> Excuse me. Maybe that allows for him to get a bit more involved and, and you maybe exactly. see if you got something out of that guy. But I, you know, that like I think we talked about this in the first segment. That throw by Jameis was just absolutely unhinged. That decision, it was a great throw, but like I still can't believe he threw it. At to his credit went up and got it. You know, he told us that uh, a few of the receivers and the tight ends and Jameis have been getting together to like run routes and 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 work on stuff on Tuesdays. Which, you know, the reaction was, "Where's Derek Carr?" But that's their off day. I think that's kind of like scout team work. It's not because like you're saying, some of the tight ends you're probably talking about the Tommy Hudson's of the tight end room, you know? And it's like, yeah, like you're not, you're, that's not Chris Olave, Derek Carr there. That's, you right. know, the backups kind of working and getting extra working. And that's good. That's what you want to see for those fringe roster guys. So that when they get on the field, they're ready. And it looked like he was ready. So um, I thought that was a good debut for him or not debut, but that was a good first kind of foray into production for him. Yeah, and obviously when he was brought in, you know, everyone kind of imagined a break in case of glass of emergency with Mike Thomas kind of situation. And, you know, because he is that body type, able to make the, you know, contested catch guy of A.T. Perry. You know, he was looked at that as that being his biggest, I think, asset to the Saints when they brought him in. And with Mike going down, obviously you, you need that help. 
And yeah, maybe this is, and you know, hey, Rook, you got an extra opportunity now. Who, who knows how long Mike might be out now. But uh, if he ends up being more involved in this offense, yeah, you want to see, obviously, uh, that development. And, I mean, there, there wasn't any of those huge flashes, I would say, though, like during training camp that made you turn your head kind of with Perry. But I, I feel like, uh, obviously, he was able to make those adjustments in the game uh, this past, you know, his his first real major outing, you know, getting his first catch, getting his first touchdown, and definitely, uh, obviously, you want to see him build off of that. Yeah, no, I mean, he had a really slow start to camp. You know, there's no sugarcoating it, and, the, and his hands were the biggest concern, in my opinion. Like, he was right. dropping everything. And uh, I do have, like, there, this game wasn't perfect for him. He's still a rookie. He's a sixth-round pick. Like, there's a, he's, he is a developmental player. Don't Don't get it confused. But, you know, like there was more good than bad. You know, the one that I'll criticize is the late in the game over the middle of the field. He kind of leapt for a ball he didn't have to leap for. And because he did that and he got outside of his frame, it gave the defender more of a target to kind of chop and he knocked the ball out. And it's like if you just kind of keep your feet, make a hands catch, get down, you know, kind of defend yourself a little bit more. That's a that's a big gain. And because of the way he went for it, I made it a lot easier for the defender to make a play. It's not an easy catch. You know, it's one that, you know, as a rookie, I think that you're going to watch back on film. And you're going to be like, okay, what's the proper technique to go out and make this catch and protect myself? Yeah. Uh, and, and he didn't do it. But, like, that's, you know, there there are levels, and uh, you'll see him go. Like, we we saw him in the preseason catching a touchdown from Jameis. Like, they have a they have continuity and, and comfort together. So, I think that made sense. That, that If Jameis wants to throw it up, I'll go get it. Right. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to throw it up to anybody, that's not a bad decision. And, like, as, as much as I'll make fun of that decision to throw it, he did put it in a spot where only AT could go get it. And that's what made that throw a great throw. You're still not going to find a quarterback coach in the world that's going to co-sign that decision. Um, but, you know, like, at that point, you just needed to make a play. And he made a play. It was third down. It's not like it was... Not like it was right. second down. Like that's one of my, you know, and, and let's go, let's move on. So the next, my next stack up player, Jameis. I thought Jameis played well. I thought he did what you need a backup quarterback to do, which is go in there and give you a chance. You know, you, he got in the game with a 24 point deficit and you know, they almost got it done. Uh, and you know, the, 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 the biggest critique that I have for Jameis is like, you don't have to get everything on every play. You know, like sometimes you just got to live to play another down. And that thrown punt, because it really was, it was basically a thrown punt to Chris Olave. And it's like, maybe Chris can go up and have, make a play on it. But like, there was no reason, he was covered. Like there was no reason to feel like he was he was in an advantage. And it's like, that's third down. You're in four down territory. All you, like, like it, there's no, like, you, yeah, you got pressure coming down your face. You can't take a grounding penalty, but you can still throw it out of bounds. Like, you could still throw it in the area that you're throwing and just get it so that it's out of bounds near where Chris is, and you can probably get away with that. Um, I, I fault the play call more than Jameis in that I want to run Taysom there. That's an example of a situation. you got plenty of time. Just get, just get, you have two downs. Run it. Get a first down. Continue. Keep the pressure on, and instead you turned it over. The, the next one, you know, it kind of felt like he was trying to get everything. It was first down. That's what drives, like, not even the decision to throw it, but it's like you made a fourth down throw on first down. Like, you don't have to make that throw on first down. You got plenty of chances. <laughs> you know, you, you're going on four downs. You get an extra down to work with. 
check it down. You got time. It's like the two-minute warning. You got plenty of time, and instead you're trying to get it all on one play, and that's where I'm critical. But generally speaking, I thought he moved the ball well. He runs the offense well. Like that's all you can hope. Like look at what the Giants are dealing with with Danny DeVito at quarterback. Like <laughs> when you have to go to your backup, all bets are off. Like the Jets are, are trying to win games with with Zach Wilson. Like the Saints are in a good situation with Jameis as their backup. Um, and I think that he showed you why if you had given him a less impossible situation, maybe he could have, could have brought you all the way back, but you just asked a little bit too much. Um, still, I, I think that he, you know, there's a lot of reasons to like his, his performance. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll give you that, that he was at least a spark for this offense that needed something going and, you know, didn't all of a sudden seem like the panic button was pressed, even though, you know, it seemed like the end of the world was going on with now Carr getting hurt, you being down so big in the game. But I, I still got to, you know, to me, I, I definitely wanted more Taysom at quarterback too. I thought we would see, and that just didn't happen. Yeah, he just didn't use him. And it's like, he was, oh, we're chasing points. I don't care. That's your offense. That's part of your offense. That's not a situational part of your offense. Um, so three other things that I'll mention kind of quickly as honorable mentions, not nothing to harp on, but um, – Two-point conversions. Saints are three for three this year <laughs> on two-point conversions. And this is hey, not I'll, take, I'll take the positive, right? You know, they got away with, I think, half the offensive line falls started on one of them. And they just didn't call it. Yes. Um, but, like, I'll take it, you know, like, because there's – I want to be a good two-point conversion team. That's, that is a good quality to have. And because the Saints were a really bad two-point conversion team for a long time. Like, I think they went, like, through the stretch of, like, two seasons without converting one. And so they're three for three. The other one came against the Jags. It was a throw to Alvin. This the last. So Alvin has gotten all three of them. Uh, the two point specialist. Yeah, he caught one against. You know, he'll take fantasy owners will take it right. That's two right. points every time. Uh, he he caught one against the Jags. These these two he ran for it. Um, so that's that's a good thing, right? If you're looking for positives, being good on two point conversions is a good thing to be as an offense. Um, yeah, like, you know, just when it was happening, obviously, too, the first one you get excited over. And then when, when they're able to do it again, it was like, holy shit, I'm feeling it. They're, they're going to do it, right? They're going to do it. Right, because like I said, like one of the, you know, it's I don't know if I've ever seen a team come all the way back from 24 down in three scores. Because usually you don't get to that third one feeling like, you know, you, you don't get to a situation where you're two for two and you just need a third, right? Usually it's like you fail on the first or the second. So it's like, okay, we're two, we, we've gone from a three score game to a three score game, right? Uh, but you kept it, a, you kept it a three score game all the way through. And that's what yeah. made that, that, like, like that was you, you made that a game. You just couldn't finish it off. Uh, either, and the two point conversions were the reason that you were still able to do that. Um, another guy, <laughs> Didn't get much opportunity in this game, but uh, Blake Groupie really needed a game that he just went <laughs> out there and didn't fuck up, didn't screw anything up, didn't miss any kicks, and he only got one attempt. I wouldn't exactly qualify it as splitting the uprights, but he made 47 yards. The 40 to 49 has been the bugaboo for him. Uh, he made it. Like, I think in turn, like, if he had missed that kick, in going in, this would be a long, long bye week for the for the young guy there. Uh, and so just in the sense of like confidence, made a kick. You know, he didn't have a chance at a PAT to even try. But, you know, a one for one is one for one. All you can do is go out there and kick him when they ask you to kick him. And he made his only opportunity. And that's he needed that. He, he, it would have been nice to see him get some more chances. But he just needed a game where something didn't go wrong so that he can go into the next game and feel like he's building momentum. So I thought that was good. 
Yeah, to me, you know, like you hear 48 yards and it's kind of like, eh, you get a little uncomfortable. Like it's no gimme. You well, should not, make it. It should be a gimme. Right. But it, it never feel. I don't know, 48, you're still like, ah, there could be. So, yeah, good for him. I know that's been a, a, an area that's been an issue, obviously. And, man, oh, man, uh, he, he needed definitely, like you said, a positive going into the bye week to feel good about himself. And, yeah, the, I don't think the Saints – We'll be bringing in kickers to work out, like DA mentioned, like b- beforehand. Uh, since we had a clean game from him, uh, we'll just ride out groupie the rest of the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, like I, I think right. It's like they weren't they were never going to bring in kickers anyway. So it's just nice to see. Like I want to see him continue to build confidence, and hopefully he can get back to that eleven for twelve guy that we saw at the beginning of the year. Right. They're like, um, hey, don't make don't make us look like idiots here. Please help us out. Seriously. Yeah, make at least one of our decisions seem right. <laughs> right? Uh, all right, the other one, one other is Lynn Bowden caught his first catch as a Saint. You know, it wasn't perfect. He double caught it. You know, but he almost dropped it. But you know, give him credit. He does all the dirty work, so it's nice to see him get rewarded. Um, Lou Headley punted six times, and like we talked about this in the last episode, is he's still that first punt? That first punt, it's always bad. I don't know what it is, but you know, so that first punt, I think, it was from the forty-nine. 40, it was from the 47, and he kicked it into the end zone. It's one of the first – he hasn't had many touchbacks this season, but that was one of them. So that was a 27-yard net punt. But I'll give, give him credit, though, because he bounced back. His next two punts, 48-yard net punt, 48-yard net punt, 44-yard net punt. He had a 37-yarder that I think got returned nine yards. So, like, it was a 46-yard kick that got returned, which is rare. You don't see that. And then his next one was a 46-yard kick that got returned three yards, so it was a 43-yard net. Even with that 27-yard net kick to start the day, he had his net yardage was 41.1, which is right. I think where where the Saints would like him to be in terms of net punting yardage. So again, not perfect, but another solid day for him. And that's kind of what you want to see going forward is just be consistent. Don't you know if you and it's like if you're gonna mess up, I'd much prefer you mess up on the going in punt where you send it in the end zone than the ones where you're kicking from your own 19 and you only get it 28 yards, right? Like those were the 48-yard net kicks. And that's that's how you flip a field, right? Like you don't – 60-yard kicks would be great, but if you can get 48 yards out of a punt, so you're kicking from your own 20, and that gets you to what, the 22? You know, that's a that's a win. Yeah, you know, we're, we don't care about first halves anyway. So you, you can be shitty early on. Yeah, and you asked him to punt a lot. You <laughs> six punts in a game is a lot. So I'm, yeah. I'm putting you in the uh, the column up for not putting any defenders on your list. So I appreciate that. Oh yeah, there's no no nothing good. There to was talk no about way that. you were going to sell me on anyone on defense this game. <laughs> no, I mean, who would it be? Like, I, I genuinely tried. I was like trying to think of like if I was going to nope. say something nice about somebody, who would I say something nice about? I just can't think of anybody. <laughs> Um, even in the second half, like, I don't think anyone made any big plays. I think Carl got in the backfield and, and got Josh to the ground at least once. Paulson didn't have a terrible day. Uh, Marshawn, I don't think had a terrible day. Like, again, it was, you know, it, it, like there was TJ Hawkinson who was, you know, maybe, yeah. and maybe, maybe at a certain point you consider putting Marshawn on TJ, but we know that Marshawn doesn't go into the slot. And so that would just make things complicated. But yeah, there, there was nobody, there was no one. No, and that's why I said I'm giving you the gold star, too, for not even trying to push any of that nonsense. Thanks. I appreciate that. No agendas. Uh, my only agenda is, you know, trying to get two podcasts done in one day. That's my agenda. 
week. So I can enjoy the bye. It's a bye week for me too. We'll do our whole breaking down the NFC South, the toughest division in the NFL. The toughest division to watch in the yeah, NFL. That's what I meant. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right. So we're that's going to wrap it up for us on this episode of Inside Black and Gold. But yeah, so thanks everyone for watching, listening, whatever. Saints are bad, but they're not the worst. First place. First place, baby. This is a first place podcast. Uh, and you know, we got we got two we got a week off. Then you're gonna come back and you're gonna have the battle for whoever gets their coach fired, right? That's kind of what it feels like. It's like whoever wins this game, the coach gets fired. Uh, maybe not this game, but like both. Whichever team gets swept, the coach gets fired, right? One and one and everyone just stays in misery. Um, but yeah. We're gonna we're gonna see it. But thanks everyone for listening. This is Inside Black and Gold. Who that? Go Saints. Top of the South. Top of the South. Woo!